wasn't Inter versus Barcelona at Camp Nou. The, weren't, weren't the stats saying that United only had 34% possession? Denied by Mourinho? No. My stats, my stats guy says 44% possession. I don't know why he's a Russian mobster in this, <laughs> in this well, skip, If he was, yeah. you'd believe him, wouldn't you? <laughs> yes. Um, whether or not the bus was parked, what is undeniable is that we played with a back seven for substantial periods of that game, or at least a back six for a lot of it, and then Fellaini dropped in to make it a back seven at one point. Yeah, well, tuck the full backs in, and then uh, Rashford and Young on the other side augmented, didn't they? Young, are they? The ex- yes. Yeah, the extra fullbacks. Yeah, well, I mean, fair enough, I suppose. Uh, I mean, actually, I thought defensively, United were very sound. Liverpool had nine shots and only two on target, of which two were brilliant saves by David De Gea. Um, so, uh, you know, did did a very good job of, of restricting uh, a side that scored uh, joint most goals in the league this season. And uh, Mourinho's analysis of, of exactly what he needed to do in order to stop Liverpool creating chances was, was spot on too. You know, he wasn't going to allow his uh, two guys to play out from the back. So they did play quite direct. Um, and uh, they realised that, uh, you know, well, realised it's obvious that Liverpool play with a high press, so they wanted to avoid that. Although, look, for all this talk of bus parking, Liverpool actually picked a more defensive team than they have been doing this season, you know? So they played with um, essentially two holding midfielders, which they don't normally. And Lallana was dropped and Emery Chan came in. So, you know, both sides showing each other a bit too much respect, perhaps. Yeah, although Lalana was coming back from an injury, wasn't he? So it wasn't just a selection thing. Yeah, and he's a bit shit. I, I'm not sure I agree with that, ultimately. I, I think he's pretty good, isn't he? He's, he's pretty good. Well, you know, he's probably better than I am at football, but then I'm 40 and wasn't very good to start <laughs> with. Um, it wasn't much of a, an exciting affair, but there was some merit. Like, there were periods when United pressed really aggressively, which was interesting, and that was really effective. Um, especially, like, a 20-minute spell around the, the, late, the later periods of the first half. That's not, not, the, not the beginning, not the end. The middle, that's what it's called, isn't it? Um, the middle of the first half, where, where Liverpool really couldn't get anything going because United were pretty aggressive, which was something we would see uh, magnified several-fold against Fenerbahce. And, uh, you know, it was United's high press that was really effective. Massive tactical decision, of course, was I, I would say like when he wasn't playing a six-two-one-one, it was a four-one-one, really, wasn't it? It was a little asymmetric because Young was playing on the left and, and Rashford was playing on the right, and Young was naturally more inclined to be defensive and, and got forward less often. But it was definitely Pogba behind Zlatan. Pogba was first outing at number ten. Uh, since probably Feyenoord, right? Yeah, and I mean, he didn't play like a traditional number 10 by any means. I mean, he was, he was perhaps further forward than he has been in most games this season, but he's not as if he was foot on the ball and the playmaker in the team. That's not really how he plays in a number 10, you know. Um, he's not a number 10. Anyway, we know exactly where he's good, which is where he played for Juve, which is a, a number eight pushing forward. Um, and maybe we'll actually get that one day if United have a... Uh, defensive midfielder in the team, but uh, well, we did. We literally did on Thursday. So. <laughs> yeah, well, true. Um, <laughs> so, um, but uh, Anfield, we had a, another talking of defensive midfielders, sort of. We had a, another very impressive performance, um, perhaps not from Pogba, but from his midfield partner Ander Herrera, who was excellent once again. Yeah, I mean, this is why I would say that Pogba was definitely playing as uh, positionally as a ten because you had Fellaini and Herrera both behind him, both 
very good. Herrera, absolutely outstanding. Those those numbers don't lie, do they? You don't see players making 11 interceptions very often in games. Uh, he, he definitely had a an everywhere-on-the-pitch feel uh, to his performance. But Fellaini was very good as well. A very disciplined, very sensible and, and careful use of the ball. Uh, no one was happy to see him in the starting 11, of course. But he made very few mistakes, apart from getting offside from a really good Ashley Young free kick. Right, and, and inevitably got himself booked later on for a dumb tackle yeah I mean yeah. He, you said careful and sensible with his passing that's true I, I mean I looked at his passing map and I thought it was very generous how some of these passes were ranked as forward passes <laughs> I was pretty sure I mean because square is you know within a couple of feet forward that's square right basically he only played one forward pass in the whole game basically yeah Ish. I mean, there was that stat at 40 minutes that Squawker tweeted that Pogba had only played two forward passes in the first 40 minutes. And we have to talk about Zlatan, don't we? Because United had two really good moments, uh, one each for, for Zlatan and Pogba. The first was when um, the keeper really scuffed his, his out ball, his pass out, and Pogba nicked it. And instead of doing something with it himself, he tried to slide it through to an obviously offside Zlatan, which is a terrible piece of decision making. Then a few minutes later, Pogba came up with an absolutely stunning ball which I'm reluctant to say that Zlatan should have scored because uh, as there's been lots of argument this week about what should have scored actually constitutes but he definitely would have been very disappointed with what happened with his header back across the six yard box should have scored shouldn't he (laughs) yeah Uh, uh, he's a bit off the boil Let's be honest. I mean, he's got he's, he's got cold. six he's... in twelve games or whatever, but it's uh, he's not playing very well, and he's got one in his last seven. Yeah, right. There you go. So it's not the Zlatan of old. I, I can I get my uh, prediction back when I said he wouldn't get twenty goals this season. <laughs> This is the flip-floppiest prediction um, for yes, many I, a year. I feel I may have flip-flopped on that one a bit too quickly. So I'm <laughs> flip-flopping back, as is my right. It's funny, though, because um, as you said against whoever it was we played before, Stoke and Leicester, his all-round game was very good in both of those games, and the numbers back that up, but his all-round game against Liverpool was completely terrible. He just he looked tired. He looked. It came he, too deep. I mean, mm. he did a Rooney. Mm. And he kept coming into midfield, and that's definitely not what United needed at the time. Mm, absolutely, and and the few times when there was a through ball played, he just thought how different that could have been with Martial up front that game. You know, it, it didn't call for Zlatan that game really. That system, I don't know. I don't know if we can ever really play Zlatan up front when we're playing when we when they are literally and it's not an exaggeration this back six thing it's not a joke a straight line of six players across the 18 yard box several times in that game not a one off mm. incident Mourinho after the game talked about he he said he was going to put Rashford at number 10 mm-hmm. which was fine I, I, I'd have put him up front right to just to stretch the game a little bit but um, you could have actually played on the break but he said he was going to put him at number 10 and then he got cramp and decided not to and brought Rooney on and basically just decided to take a draw at that point mm-hmm. um, and he was very honest about that which I, I suppose is fair enough when you want to hobble your team by bringing Rooney into it then you've got to got to accept your fate haven't you and, and a draw was it and, and look you know I think before the game given the relative form of the two teams you a draw wouldn't have been terrible no would it you know no, it's, it's not good. a bad point yeah it's uh you know maybe maybe united weren't the moral victors in this <laughs> which is something of course Mourinho doesn't care about at all i you know i did think quite a few times during that game huh, so uh 
So this is what it's like to support a Jose Mourinho team that plays this kind of way. And I do think it was interesting. A lot of United fans trotting out the lines that Chelsea fans might have used over the years about, no, it's fine because dot, dot, dot. And ultimately it was fine. And there were there were periods of very good attacking intent. And, and if Zlatan had done better with that chance and if Pogba had uh, taken his moment a little more as he did against Fenerbahce... Could have been a very different affair. I, I don't think that game was a disaster by any means. And I tell you what is extremely good about that game. The biggest positive about that game is how it compared to the performance against City at home. When it almost feels like this was them having learned how to play this way. You know, because it, it was a very it was very good execution of that of that type of performance from United. And if we've got Mourinho in charge, we need the team to be able to do that because He's going to want them to. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, sure. Yes. You know, very, very compact in terms of the defence and then, and then pull those two wide players back to augment to make that back six and and did sensible things. Great. I mean, of course, United fans want more than that. We want to be able to go to Anfield and take it to Liverpool and, and beat them. This, this is not a Liverpool side that is going to win the league. I'm sure of that. Uh, although, said that, you know, I was pretty sure that City would be romping away and they're definitely not either so maybe we're going to get another another season of lots of inconsistent teams but you know it's, it's not like it's an outstanding Liverpool side uh, it's, it's a team that finished what, 20 points off the Premier League title last season has augmented a bit this summer but not outstandingly it's decent and United went and parked the bus for most of the second half so Definitely United fans want more than that. We expect more than that. We expect a better United side than this. But maybe it's just part of the the journey uh, towards being that. That's definitely what it felt like. Um, I expected, I, I think I expected maybe a little more, I don't know, I felt that you didn't seem, when we when the game was going on, you didn't seem that annoyed by what Mourinho was doing. I, I was a bit annoyed by what Mourinho was doing and then kind of afterwards sort of chilled out about it a bit and thought... Actually, it seems it's pretty reasonable under the circumstances. Not ideal, but dot, dot, dot. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not going to rationalise it, but when you appoint Mourinho, yeah. this is what you yeah. get. So I actually don't buy the, oh, but, you know, well, a point's a point. It's only about the, the numbers. You know, I like good football. I think football's about entertainment. For Mourinho, football's about winning. Yeah. Or not losing. So, um, fine, and you just accept that. And uh, there's some cognitive dissonance in that, isn't there? Is. There is. But um, you... Um, you, you know, can't fuss about it now. It's not like we haven't seen 15 years of Mourinho doing this. No, absolutely not. And and I did sort of burst out laughing at one point, just at the thought that, like, the the kind of somewhat romantic notion, oh, United will change him. Like, no. United definitely will not change Jose Mourinho. This is, uh, he is going to do what he does in, in big games and... Well, you know, and, and that's nonsense anyway, isn't it? Because United didn't change Van Hal over two years and definitely didn't change David Moyes, who was incompetent <laughs> coming into the job. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so uh, it, was, it, it was quite funny at points. It was very funny afterwards in the interview when he was, when Mourinho was like, oh, I don't think Liverpool are the, third, the seventh wonder, eighth wonder of the world or anything. It was quite, it was good. It's a good little Liverpool dig. Important to get that in under the circumstances. Yeah. Um, so one one other notable thing, uh, we talked about defending. Uh, I, you know, I've got, I've got an apology to make, I think. So I've had to go at Antonio Valencia on this, this show many a time. That was one of the best fullback performances I've seen from a United player in, in years. Yeah. He was absolutely superb. And that last man tackle, um, when he had to get everything right, 
uh, and he absolutely got everything right, uh, probably to save United the game, was one of the best tackles I've I've seen in that that sort of circumstance for for many a year too. Yeah, I, I wrote a column about it after that game for you, Max. It's saying he's just a right back now. That's we just have to accept it. I, I think I mentioned on the show a couple of weeks ago there was just a moment against Stoke, which was nothing. It was nowhere near as dramatic as that last ditch tackle but it was just a moment where he didn't foul the player on a counter attack he delayed a second and then put his foot in and it was like an example of his his maturity as a defender and that was just it was immense because you know in that split second he makes an incredibly bold decision when Coutinho plays the through ball Valencia has to decide he's going to go for it and he's a long way behind at that point but not only does he go for it he goes for it and gets the ball and doesn't give away a foul it was, absolutely brilliant execution and 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 also another another really outstanding performer in that game was Eric Bailly brilliant again at center back and we we are really going to miss him when he goes to the Africa Cup of Nations we play Liverpool again uh, while he's away yeah it's true and uh, i think um uh, he's he's one of the reasons that united's defenses come together you know been been more secure than perhaps it might otherwise have been uh, he's been excellent this season or the other thing that's also helped united's defense is moving blint out of central defense and into left back where he's much much he's a, just a much much better player at left back and he was very good against liverpool as well um he's going to have a fight on his hands now though cuz uh, luke shaw came on late in that game as a sub very very late in that game and then played all, all the whole game against fenerbahce and Looks fit again. Yeah, very interesting battle, and you wonder if it will be a bit of a horses for courses thing for Mourinho uh, with those two. Um, but yeah, all, all in all, you know, it was a bit disappointing and a bit, I don't know, emotionally dispiriting to see United play that way. But not not a disaster, and we better get used to it because it's not going to be the last time it happens. And and there, there is plenty to enjoy from that kind of performance. And and I think the people that were saying we weren't parking the bus were arguing that. It wasn't like we conceded shot after shot after shot and, you know, were throwing bodies in front of defenders, um, throwing defenders' bodies in front of the ball. In fact, that Valencia thing was probably the only last-ditch thing that happened that wasn't the De Gea saves. No, United defended with the tactics, right? So, um, yes, they played six across the back, but they were very smart through midfield as well. Yeah. You know, they got three midfielders in there to cut off the supply line and, and, you know, Sturridge had a very disappointing game for him, although... You know, he has quite a lot of those, doesn't he? But that was a lot to do with you know, how United defended. I didn't think that Jan Henderson and Coutinho were that good through central midfield. You know, United were very effective at stifling Liverpool's attacking play. And then when when Liverpool did make the breakthrough, uh, the one real chance that they they got, both those De Gea saves were absolutely incredible. That first one, when you, it's like watching it on TV almost feels normal and definitely watching it in slow motion almost feels like a normal human thing that you could do but when you watch that thing at full speed from a kind of close-in camera angle and you realize how late he saw it and this the the sheer elasticity of thought and physicality to get that low that quick and get such a firm hand on that ball right he's one of manchester united's greatest ever goalkeepers oh for sure yeah and then you know, Coutinho with the, the curler, yeah. he scored a few of those, hasn't he? He yeah. thought it was in. I think everyone did. It, it makes that brilliant noise that De Gea is so good at generating where the crowd, you know, you hear the crowd celebrating the goal and then realising De Gea saved it. That kind of noise um, that De Gea saves do. Yeah, well, that was Liverpool. 
decent point yeah. uh, in a tough game. And then on to Fenerbahce and United, it kinda, you kind of feel United needed a good performance at some point. You know, this was a, a team that's uh, not having a great season by any means, although was top of this particular Europa League group after a couple of games, um, but not doing well in the league. Um, and, you know, someone had to get battered eventually, didn't they? And uh, and they did, at least in the first half. Four goals in um, two of the last four home games at United, and that Stoke game could easily have been that as well. So, yeah, not, not unusual for United recently to be free-flowing in attack at Old Trafford. Uh, what an absolute party of a football match, almost from start to finish. A joyous occasion. There was a like so the first ten minutes, a bit of feeling out, but again that that really aggressive pressing, very high up the pitch. United were pressing Fenerbahce. You could see they were feeling their oats, and and that did start with Rooney, who you know for all his many faults, he will do that. I, I did have a thought about the starting eleven, which is that. This is the first time in the Europa League. It's not like he's played terrible teams in the Europa League, but this is the first time where you would say that everyone in that team, bar Rooney, is a reasonable first-choice option in that position. Shaw at left-back, Damian at right-back. They're not the current first-choice, but both entirely reasonable choices. Same with Carrick. Um, and everywhere else, it's players that have frequently played. Um, so most of the, there were not too many O-rings in that game. No, no. Um, you made a bit of a, a, a mistake there, Paul. You said United scored four. I, I'm looking uh, at the scorers. <laughs> United clearly scored five. <laughs> yes, many people making the 5 nil gag over the last few hours, um, to the last 24 hours. I liked your, your version of that was good, where you did match ratings for all the United players and included from Percy. Yes, yes. Oh, it was. I didn't mind that. Did you? I didn't, I didn't mind it. I was... I was delighted, absolutely legitimately over the moon. <laughs> uh, uh, so was Fergie and his best mate, Big Sam, as well, which yeah. is uh, interesting company for Fergie to take to Old Trafford. Yeah, I loved it. I loved seeing the two of them. Just like that's the first time I've seen Big Sam smiling since it all happened. And you can just imagine Fergie's like, come on, son, we'll give you the time of your life. We'll have a lovely time here. Yeah, hopefully Mourinho's not going anywhere because Fergie would be recommending him for the United job, <laughs> undoubtedly. <laughs> um, so anyway, to the, to the game and uh, what was it? <laughs> Three in the first half? Um, yeah. uh, a couple of penalties, in quick, both, both, you know, solid penalties. Um, I have to say, watching Pogba run up, I was 100% convinced he was going to miss. That Nobody. stupid, stupid, stupid run up. Nobody on earth thought that Paul Pogba was going to score that goal. Not a single earthbound citizen believed that goal was going to go in the back of the net. That shot was going to go in the back of the net. Between the narrative around him, the transfer fee, and then that run up, you were like, oh no, what are you doing? What are you doing, son? Oh, it's all fine. It's all fine. It's all fine. He scored. It's fine. Yeah. Struck it pretty cleanly and then and Martial took the second one and uh, a very odd explanation from Mourinho saying that uh, basic, basically um, passing this one but um, that uh, Pogba didn't fancy it well, it's, for the second it's one. It's much stranger than that because as Michael, Michael Owen absolutely freaking out on BT Sport do not like watch, watching Michael Owen talk about Manchester United but this was very entertaining indeed because his little brain was like exploding with confusion at the idea that Rooney somehow hadn't taken the penalties if you're the centre four would you take the penalties not that it sounds like a Harry Enfield stereotype character but you know um, if you're a centre four would you take the penalties because Pogba, the, the the idea was that Pogba was supposed to be the first choice 
um, penalty taker, according to Mourinho. But Pogba had said he'd asked Rooney if he could take it, and Rooney had said yes, um, even though Rooney was supposed to be the first choice penalty taker. But then that does not explain why it was Martial instead of Rooney that took the second one. Uh, very odd. Although, as we know, he's a terrible penalty taker, so it's a good, it's good for yeah. him. But you know. His record's at about 60% or something, so he's missed plenty, Rooney. I, I don't know why United would have him on penalties. No. Um, and it's not as if um, he's in good form, because he wasn't very good against Fenerbahce. Did he? Uh, he did all right, ran around, yeah. you know. He started the press, as you said, but uh, not much apart from that, although he is credited with an assist. For the Lingard goal. Uh, yeah. Um, the the penalties, the two penalties worthy of mention, absolutely sumptuous pass from character matter for the first one. Absolutely. Yep. And lovely yeah, soft touch. Great. And an absolutely sumptuous pass from Mata to Martial for the second. Uh, you got very enthusiastic about that one on WhatsApp, Ed. Uh, I think I called it football six. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. D- yes. It was, it was uh, good. a lovely, lovely pass, yeah. Um, I'd give Mata about nine and a half out of ten for his... Um, for his control. It wasn't Berbatov-esque, was it? I mean, Berber would not have let it fall, you know, because actually the slightest miscontrol meant that Mata had to check back and that allowed him to then check back into the goal afterwards and get the penalty. I wonder if his touch had been perfect. He, he might not have been fouled. Yeah, absolutely. Although that defender did seem pretty keen to foul him under any possible circumstances. The the foul on Martial was ridiculous. Like, what on earth they were doing? I suppose he just thought, oh, he's definitely going to score here, isn't he? So we should probably foul him at this point. But yeah, uh, They weren't very impressive in general, Fenerbahce. But I think United did make them look even more unimpressive than they were. And the, the third goal... I mean, easily, I don't know if it's the goal of the season. I can't think of all the goals this season, but it's got to be right up there. Rooney does brilliantly on the right um, yes. to win. Well, after shanking a through ball, uh, it comes straight back to him. Well, comes straight back out to the defender and he does really well to tackle the, the player and, and cut it back in. Oh, well, yeah. And then he cuts it back in a little bit behind Lingard, to be fair. But I'm glad that Rooney cut it back in a little bit behind Lingard because Lingard's touch to control that ball is definitely the highlight of the season so far for me. That touch was out of this world. It's like he... he kills the ball dead with his with the back of his heel, spins, and then not only lays the ball off to Pogba, but lays it off at such an angle that Pogba can get maximum purchase on it. It was a, a really outstanding bit of forward play from Lingard, and then he scored. Right, yeah, no, and he didn't go straight back to Pogba. He gave Pogba plenty of space to strike the ball. Yeah, lovely. And, and that's that football intelligence, isn't it? So we have this incredible technical execution in the control and then the split-second decision-making, because it's definitely deliberate the way he lays it off. You can see especially oh, from God, the angle yeah. from behind. Yep, yep. And, and then um, he followed that up just after half-time with a stunning strike of his yep. own. Uh, that's all he does, isn't it? You know, he, he fluffs the easy ones and scores the stunners. Yeah. And he's having an, he's a really good footballer. He's under, he's better than I think either of us have given him credit for. I think, I think we have to say the evidence is starting to stack up now that he's got some, he's got some stuff in his locker that we wouldn't have given him credit for. I think. Well, he can hit a clean ball, which he did. Um, rifled in, no chance for the keeper. And he's a, you're right, he's a very intelligent footballer and I'm quite sure that Mourinho likes that. I'm sure he appreciates him. And uh, he did well for England in his two games for England recently as well. Um, although, you know, you don't want to taint him with that, do you, really? I, I didn't watch them on boycotting it after their disgraceful treatment of Big Sam. Um, 
the uh, the talking of players that Mourinho likes, uh, one that Mourinho definitely, definitely does not seem to like, Henrik Mkhitaryan. Yeah, very, still not in the squad, odd. even though Mourinho talked about him as being fit in the pre-match presser. So, what's going on? Something. Stuck. I mean, you know, he's he's willing to play Depay, who, <laughs> you know, <laughs> not oh. not doing a lot with his career now, is he? <laughs> so Poor sad. old Memphis. So I, it is really sad because the talent is uh, uh, massive. But, yeah, he's willing to play him. And he's even willing to give Marcus Rojo a game. Which he did for the second half. <laughs> but that was only because he wanted Van Persie to get a goal and he didn't want to make yeah, it yeah, too Yeah, it's obvious. some kind of charity thing, I think, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, he's bad, isn't he, Rocco? He's really, he's really bad. He's really, and really, um, really bad. Uh, on the other end of the scale, he gave uh, Fossi Mensa some time in the second half in midfield. Yeah, and, you know, I'm not sure this will be his final best position. I think he's going to be a, a really high-class central defender. But he looks extremely composed in there, of course. You know, you switch on beast mode, don't you, when he comes into the, the game. And he's uh, he, he not, I can't remember who it was, knocked one of the... Fenerbahce midfielders just off the ball, just flattened him. It was very funny. It. Yeah. It was. It was a definite highlight. And his composure, though, really noticeable on the ball. Like, obviously, he's, he's, in, he's kind of very hard to knock off the ball. But just he, there was one point where he had the ball under quite some pressure. Just absolute proper Dutch composure on the ball. Just easily kind of lays it off and no problem. Like, no flies on him whatsoever. Just not bothered at all. Um but yeah, Mkhitaryan, I, I I don't know what's going on, but it seems like something's going on. And what's really a bit worrying about this is Mkhitaryan is not long recovered from a massive crisis of confidence. Now, his first season under Jurgen Klopp was kind of perceived as a disaster because he really lost confidence in his own abilities. And, you know, he got it back and especially under Tuchel really thrived. But it's a bit of a worry if Mourinho is going to kind of break his spirit. We, we've got a Shinji Kagawa situation on our hands, I think. Hmm. It's not good. I mean, how many times can you spend like 30 million plus on an attacking player and uh, not play them and it not work out? You know, uh, it's not good. Um, so, you know, in Memphis and Mkhitaryan, uh, you know, you've got a big problem. And, and the thing is, there's two such different um, categories because Memphis was an expensive young player. That's always a gamble. Mkhitaryan was bought in the prime of his career as a kind of as close to a sure bet out of everyone that signed in the summer. Apart from maybe Pogba, yeah. you'd say Mkhitaryan was the like definitely the one that was all going to be fine. He, right. There was an obvious... Well, he's 27 and he's had three years in the Bundesliga. Sure, there's some adjustment, but yeah. Yeah. it's uh, He should hit the ground pretty much running. And he's been unlucky with injuries and fitness, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, now, now after saying that he was fit not bringing him into the squad at all in a game that's, you know... Winnable. Clearly United's third or fourth priority this season. It's uh, It was a bit concerning. Yeah, definitely. Um, Memphis, someone tweeted at me, oh, we found the new nanny and his name is Memphis. And that just made me think that is such an insult to Nanny's Manchester United career. Nanny was electric for United many times, including in some massive games. And okay, the last season and a half of his time at the club was a disaster. But before that, you know, Nanny's United career outstrips outstrips Memphis's by a factor of a very big number, doesn't it? Well, there were there were a couple of campaign campaigns where Nanny put up some great numbers. You know, fifteen goals, fifteen assists, sort of thing. You know. Um, and uh, doing well again, Nani. He got he got the move from Fenerbahce um, to uh, Valencia this summer. 
So back at a decent side. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is the kind of level that Memphis is going to end up at because there's no way back for him at United. It doesn't seem so, does it? No, nah, just it just doesn't. It just doesn't make sense. There's there's no there's too many players that are ahead of him in his own position, and he he doesn't have that positional flexibility. He's going to play off the left of a four three three basically, or else. And we're not going to play a four three three. And we've got Martial. He's he's in trouble. In fact, January move wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, well, we'll see. Um, anyway, so you know, United's Europa League campaign's back on uh, back on track, right? Um, for all of you hoping that we'd be knocked out, so we wouldn't have to play this crap, uh, it looks like uh, that's probably not going to happen. Well, I don't know because we've got two away games in the second half of the group fixtures, and we haven't won away in Europe since the 26th of August 2015 against Club Bruges. In since when we've played six games away from home in Europe, and I think we got two draws out of that lot and lost four. So, mm, <laughs> yeah, mind you, you know it, it is that Fenerbahce, and they're not good, and at Zoya, who are not good. Yeah, either. well, the teams that have been not good that have either beaten or drawn with us include CSK. Moscow and uh, probably better than that but uh, FC Midland, <laughs> Liverpool you know we've played some clunkers in the mix. Yeah definitely that Liverpool one yeah um, so so w- w- where do United go from here? Uh, you know it, it's Mourinho now now got that win is Mourinho back to playing sort of eight changes in the Europa League for the next fixture? Uh, I don't know uh, the, the one the, it was very, very... It kind of made being in the Europa League all worthwhile, that game. Um, 71,000 official attendance, not that much below that by what it looked like in the ground. Uh, a few less than that, obviously, but, you know, a record-breaking attendance for a group stage. And, and a huge part of that was, of course, the appeal of people seeing Robin Van Persie uh, in the flesh again. And, and his send-off was absolutely delightful. Um, every time they had a corner and he took it, that, that he got the kind of, you know, the, the Beckham treatment, right? The fans in the corner standing up and applauding him when he went over and got his name sung. And then when he scored his goal, a, a ground-wide standing ovation for an opposition striker at Old Trafford, not something that happens all that often. And uh, Fergie looked delighted. He did, indeed, yeah. Um, so that's Europa League. Uh, there's a decent game at the weekend, isn't there? Yeah, and... Um, um, we don't know when this is coming out, so that might be just about to kick off as you finish listening to this. So we'll do a little preview at the end of the show. But before that, I guess we should take some uh, some questions, right? Sure, far away. At Special K underscore 2311 says, Has Under Herrera improved this season or was he always this good? He's always been a good player. And uh, I think for most of his United career, he's just not really had a consistent run in the, the side. And he seems to take a little while to get going, doesn't he? Um, so he's coming to the side and had some very poor games, having not been in the team. And then he's out and he's in and uh, he's been moved around. He's played at 10, he's played at 8, he's now playing at 6, he's played wide right. Um, so he's always been a good player. He's now really applying it in a position that isn't his natural one. No, but that he can clearly do. Rob Dawson from Manchester Evening News made the point after the Fenerbahce game that that uh, game was kind of good news for Herrera in a way because it just shows how important he is that he was rested ahead of Chelsea. You know, he's he's first name on the team sheet status is what is what Dawson said, and I think that's about right. Um, maybe not first name, but right up there in the automatic starters, which is where he should have been ever since he arrived. Because he, yeah, he's he's 
improving this season and he's he's applying himself really well and there'll be dips of form as co- of course there will but it, I just think he's an excellent player um, uh, just a little shout to uh, jcon underscore 16 who wrote a really good thing about how we didn't park the bus um, some of the some of the stuff we've covered uh, with a load of stats in it um, yeah it was, it was a, an interesting shout on that Liverpool game so thank you for that <laughs> at monsieur underscore RJ says he's bracing himself for uh, my emotional two minute monologue on Robin Van Persie's goal the thing is honestly seeing Van Persie come, come back really did get get me quite badly there was I felt very very emotional about that because uh, just seeing him with his face and his little grey hair you know and his big smile and talking about coming home and you know he, he, he talked about like if Ferguson was still the manager he might still be there mm, not you can't literally can't run anymore Robin so I'm not sure that would have worked but still just just emotional and uh, and delightful and yeah uh, when he when he scored it was it was very fitting and it was lovely to see how much respect he still had and and how what happened in 2014 15 and 15 16 or no 13 14 15 14 15 didn't affect the way he was perceived because 12 13 was so special right and we all know that david moyes ruined him yeah yeah and then van gaal jumped up and down on the nails in his coffin singing a dutch song about how Van Gaal is better than Van Persie or something. Something like that, yeah. Um, I think uh, the club probably probably owe him an official apology or something like that, you know? You signed up for Fergie, you got a year, and then we gave you Moyes. They finally acknowledged his existence on their Twitter account for the first time since he left. Um, never got an official goodbye, but he, he got a, a kind of big thanks for the memories video and a lot of, a lot of Van Persie-related content on that social. It was good. <laughs> Dr. Marvin at Borka Bijit says, uh, are we back to being good now? <laughs> yeah, well, it depends. It depends on the week, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely better than Fenerbahce. Uh, at Bruce Mallon says, will Rooney be shipped out to MLS in January or at the end of the season? No, probably neither. I mean, you know, he's got around about 40 million on his contract. I don't think there's an MLS franchise that wants to spend that kind of money. No. Um, yeah. It's, it's... Even as a designated player or what they're, you know, the, the ones that they can pay more money to. Um, I don't see it. Although, like, he would, he would tear it up in MLS. He really would. Um, anyway, yeah. Because, you know, you give Rooney half an hour on the ball and he's fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as as Jose said, so's he. <laughs> How good or bad asks at Clint Thrasher is as a, of an idea. Would a four four two be with this United team? Uh, bad most of the time, right? So, um, I mean, I suppose you could play Pogba in a four four two as the number eight with the right kind of defensive midfielder alongside him. Um, but United are going to be outnumbered in midfield in most games. Mm, yes, I, I agree. I, I think you just can't do it anymore now. Um, if you were going on a desert island, asks at Dantastic1987, but could only take De Gea, Herrera or Mata with you, who would you take? Um, when Mata was asked which of the other two he would take, he said at a push he'd have to say De Gea because Herrera would just talk way too much. I think I would definitely take Juan Mata out of those. Um I think I think De Gea will stop coconuts from falling on your head, obviously. And Herrera would be jolly good company. But, you know, Matty, you could write poems together and discuss the meaning of life and what it really meant to be stuck on this desert island. And I think that would be good. 
Yeah. Who would you take out of the three of them? Oh, I, I think it's Juan Mata, isn't it? Okay, yeah, great. Okay, just checking. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, like, Herrera would definitely be my second choice because he does, He I would like to talk about him, but I think he would just talk about football a lot. He is and a passionate man when not. it comes to football. He is. And, he uh, is. yeah, David De Gea's got some dodgy tastes in music, both <laughs> from his girlfriend and his actual music taste. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at Gary underscore 1105 says, is Jose being a little indulgent playing Zlatan for 90 minutes in every Premier League game? Do we need to worry about his recent form? Well, per the conversation earlier, yes, uh, because he's not playing that well and not scoring goals. Um, and um, he looks the fact that he's 35, basically. Um, so that's a bit worrying. We've got some good options, though, right? So, you know, if this continues, I think uh, Jose has shown that there are no untouchables in his team. He said as much, didn't he? He said yeah. there were, he had untouchables at Chelsea the first time around, but he hasn't got any at United, which is interesting. Fair enough, because Rashford and Martial would do a very good job up there if, uh, if Zlatan doesn't come good. Yeah, at true Man United fan asks whether we think Rooney deserves a shot in the centre forward position over Ibrahimovic, and I just think it would be ridiculous to pick Rooney over Martial or Rashford in at that spot. Yeah, see performance against Fenerbahce. Yeah. At Gary J Matthews says, is modern football failing in its role as a distraction from existential angst? I mean, I think to be fair, the level of existential angst is has reached a level to which it's not fair to just expect football to sort it out. Um, I think I think it's I think this one's not on football. Uh, it's not, and um, if you look at the viewing figures at the moment, there's something like 20% down over last season, um, early in the season, of course, but uh, maybe there's burnout approaching. I mean, it's hard not to be able to watch a football game, isn't it? You know, there's stuff on all the time. Um, I subscribe to an um, online service of uh, dubious legality. Well, it's very legal. It is very legal if you're in... A country that is not the UK, but isn't that got to? That's surely got to be a big reason why viewing figures are down. Are less people, are fewer people watching football, or are they just watching it in a way that doesn't get recorded? Well, quite. But I can watch almost any game from any of the leagues anywhere, including Bulgarian third division. Mm, how much of that are you taking advantage of? Not, not a lot of the Bulgarian third division. Got to say, you know, can uh, I? Ken Early's wrote a really good article, um, I think it was in the Irish Times, about this very subject. And he was talking about, of course, viewing figures are down. You don't even really watch football. You just watch the 20 seconds of the best bit of the game that everyone shares on Twitter while you're looking at your phone watching the football. Yeah, maybe. Um, uh, I, I suppose that, you know, everyone second screens, true, or four or five screens in, in uh, if you're a tech nerd like me. Um <laughs> I have to say this season I've been trying to make a point of like on the occasions when I've not been able to go to the games, uh, definitely for at least the first half, just keeping my phone off and away from me and actually really watching the game and absorbing it. And I found it much, much more enjoyable uh, than that kind of half watching that you get. Yeah, I do most of the time during games. I generally don't tweet during the game um, because I want to watch the football. United games. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The rest of them doesn't count. Um, uh, do you think I think this is an interesting question asks at Cryptic Android Michael Carrick could or should have a bigger role in the first team squad he's played twice this season against not great opposition Northampton uh, and Fenerbahce but both times he's been absolutely outstanding and it seems to me like he's being a little underutilised 
Well, perhaps, but I'm not sure I believe that his legs are still there for the Premier League. Right. So you think just in games when United are not going to be under any pressure at all? Mm. Well, you know, I, I guess you find out if you play him in a tougher game. And I certainly wouldn't play him in anything other than a three-man midfield. Um, you know, and, and perhaps he would be able to free under Herrera and Pogba for more attacking duties. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but you'd lose one matter. And I, nobody wants that, not even on the desert island. Uh, we talked about previewing the Chelsea game, but there's another game uh, that's going to happen before we next record one of these. And uh, it's a biggie. Um, so we're playing Chelsea and Manchester City in the next uh, few days. Bit of a bit of a worrying set of fixtures, potentially. Could be could be pretty tricky. We could be recording a We're Really Terrible Again podcast in a week. Could do, yeah. Well, you know, the City game... Um, uh, is the League Cup game, right? So, yes. uh, will United play a full side? I'm not sure. I mean, Mourinho didn't last time out at Northampton. He, uh, he... <laughs> I mean, I'm going to say... He I know they've started not... <laughs> Rooney at Northampton. I know they've not in, been in the best form, Ed, but I would argue that Pep Guardiola's Manchester City represent more of a threat than Northampton Town. Uh, I don't know. I quite enjoyed them getting spanked by Barcelona the other night. Uh, a petty as that is, uh, it was quite amusing. Did you see Duncan Castle's article on just, I don't know what's happened to him. I don't know who's paying his bills, but it is amazing to watch. Um, he just wrote this article because Pep said this thing about it's impossible once you go uh, down to 10 men against Barcelona. Yeah. It was an absolute takedown. It was, I mean, I mean, it was nothing, but it was just a trash talked him for 900 words or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> no reason. Uh, other than other than Mourinho hates him and and uh, Duncan Castles is either on Mourinho's payroll or deeply deeply in love with him. It's it's a beautiful beautiful thing. Uh, it's just extraordinary the heel the face turn he's undergone. Anyway, um, yeah. So Chelsea at the weekend. That's obviously because it's the League Cup. The City game's less important, even though it's City. Um, but that Chelsea game. Uh, what what do you reckon is going to be the? Is it going to be very similar to that Anfield game, or will we be a bit more progressive? Well, I think it will be a little bit. Yeah, I think I think United will be pretty cautious. I don't, I mean, you know, we say that, but that that's uh, our view of the sort of basically the second half of the Anfield game. United actually came out of the traps at Anfield in a, you know, at a decent pace and were pressing Liverpool and were taking the game to Liverpool for some of that first half. Um, so, you know, perhaps we'll get that version. But I don't think United are going to be taking huge huge risks. Both fullbacks won't be bombing forward at the same time. We'll see which fullbacks. I, I suspect Valencia and uh, Blint. Um, we'll see whether Shaw retains him his role. Probably not. Um, and the rest of the team we can pretty much pick, can't we? Um, and but I think United will be just a little bit cautious, and and we'll see where it goes from there. Well, you say we can pretty much pick. Do, do you think that that means Fellaini and Young again? I mean, because I I actually think there's there's a ton of questions because he could play basically the team he played against Stoke, so four two three one Herrera and Pogba behind Mata, or he could uh, with with Lingard in the mix, or he could play basically the team he picked against. Um, against Liverpool which was very different with Fellaini and Young both in that starting 11 and also I'm not at all sure it's obvious whether or not he should play Ibrahimovic and whether he will well I think he will um, uh, Young no I don't I, I wonder whether Martial might come back into the side now that he's scored and found some form we'll, we'll see but yeah I mean he probably does like Young's work ethic 
um, and defensive responsibilities. I, I'd expect Rashford will play on the right. And I think we will see Fellaini and, and Herrera in midfield with Pogba push forward a little bit. So no matter, no Lingard for this one. Yeah, I mean, maybe Lingard plays and Rashford plays on the left. You know, that's one other option. Um, but, I, you know, I think the the big question around do you set up to play through Mata um, or do you basically play a three in midfield with Pogba, who's definitely not going to play in the same way? Um, I, I would expect that he plays Pogba slightly further forward and, and strips the, mid, you know, the, the Crave midfielder out, which is a big shame because... Um, Matter is playing very well when he comes into that role in central midfield. Yeah, and we're back to, you know, a slightly more normal run of fixtures soon and back to kind of home games. I, I think after City, it's Burnley. Um, so that's obviously a very winnable one. And, and we can get back to that kind of somewhat more free-flowing football again because this is definitely the Mourinho thing. Is, uh, he gives with one hand and takes with the other, doesn't he? You've got you've got these uh, lush four-goal four thrillers um, followed by slightly drab potentially nil-nil or one-nil in either direction game against Chelsea. Uh, it'll be interesting as well to see if Conte looks at the game against Liverpool and, and sets Chelsea up any differently than he otherwise would. They've, they've been playing with the three at the back again, right? Yes, and playing uh, pretty consistently. I mean, you know, a couple of points ahead of United. Um, definitely an improvement on last season. They're getting more out of Eden Hazard now. Um, and look, you know, starting to look like a Conte side. And and of course, I mean, we haven't even mentioned it. I don't even know really what there is to say about it, but it feels silly not to at least mention the fact that this is Mourinho going back to Stamford Bridge in charge of a an English team for the first time. I, I'm fascinated to see how they are going to respond to him. I'm writing an article for a, for Bleacher Report where I've spoken to a bunch of Chelsea fans and a bunch of United fans about it and lots of references to it being like an ex being with your being with someone new or you know from the United perspective a lot like being with someone and, and kind of being aware of their ex which <laughs> just like shows how deeply people care about football that that analogy came up multiple times uh, in these yeah yeah um, what sort of reception does he get because he was a hero at Chelsea and, uh, I, you know, I, I guess there weren't too many Chelsea fans complaining that he got sacked because, you know, it had fallen apart. And this was Jose um, looking like he personally was falling apart as well. Uh, but are they are they going to boo him because he's now at United? I mean, I guess you'd expect that from Chelsea fans being as sort of superficial as they are. But <laughs> he, sh- he certainly shouldn't get that. I'm laughing, Edge, because Chelsea fans are just like you and me. They're just like all fans are the same. No, no, no. They're 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 double plastic. This lot. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, I think lots of Chelsea fans were very upset that he got sacked, and there were chants of Jose Mourinho, and there was those uh, that guy who held up that banger banner with the the three snakes on it, and Hazard, Fabregas, and Costa or someone I can't remember. Um, so I think, and and his name was sung at every game for a good long time. I remember they came to United immediately afterwards. That was the game that United was selling. Someone at United was selling Jose Mourinho United scarves, and uh, the Chelsea fans started were singing Jose Mourinho's name at that game. And I I just don't think they'll boo him for for taking the United job because. You you can't imagine many of them think he shouldn't have taken the United job because he was once Chelsea manager. I think a lot of them will think that. I bet if you uh, had a ranking of uh, teams that Chelsea fans thought were their rivals, uh, it would be Spurs 1 and United 2 or something like that. Right. Oh, maybe so. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess so. But I, I, I will be surprised if he gets a booing. I, I think he'll get a round of applause when he when he walks out. Yeah. So so who will they play? It looks like Terry's injured and they've been playing Cahill, uh, David Lowell's and uh, as Piloqueta at the back uh, recently. Haven't they? So yeah, if Terry's, I mean, and Terry wasn't necessarily in the team anyway. Um, and they play the two holding players in front, Matic and, and Kante, who, you know, Kante had a good game against Leicester last week. I don't know whether you saw that. I thought he was pretty good there. But I don't think he's been at Leicester levels throughout this season so far. Maybe he's just finding his feet again. Maybe he's, excuse me, maybe he's been at Leicester levels because uh, Leicester's level's been quite low. Um, it's funny to it's funny to see them turning it on in the Champions League. Did you see how annoyed Roy Keane was? Roy Keane was so annoyed, so annoyed. Absolutely not having it that Leicester are kind of taking it easy in the league and playing well in the Champions League. Disgusted and also absolutely disgusted by people being uh, like uh, praising Kasper Schmeichel for making a really good last-minute game-winning save. Roy Keane was like, "That's his job. That's what he's there for. I'd be having a go if he doesn't make it." <laughs> Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. You, you can see why Keane probably didn't do so well with not great sides. I mean, I mean, it just must have boiled his blood constantly. Yeah. Why don't you seem to be the absolute pinnacle of human of the human experience? Like I demand as a a minimum from myself. <laughs> um, I tell you what, who, someone who is near the peak at the moment is uh, is Diego Costa. He's, he's very good this season and scored quite a few goals as well. He's definitely going to be a threat. Although, you know, he feels like the kind of player that buy or stick in his pocket. Blin definitely would. Yeah. He's, ex- he's exactly the kind of player that Daley Blint would have on toast. Yeah, and, and Hazard scoring again. And, and I mean, they, they play a more predictable way, I'd say. I mean, even though they're playing at the back, uh, without a sort of natural playmaker in there, you can pretty much understand the pattern they're, they're likely to play. The, the wild cards are Moses and Alonso and the uh, wing-back areas, which, you know, isn't exactly the highest quality on either flank there. But... Um, you know, they've got a dangerous front three, but uh, if if United do the same thing they did at Liverpool, which is pull in the fullbacks um, and ask whoever's on the wings to augment when they need to, uh, you know, it's, that feels like a, a setup United could cope with quite well because there isn't going to be a lot of subtlety coming from central midfield. No, absolutely. Um, and I wonder whether, in fact, United should be a little bit braver, a little bit more progressive against that back three, which looks kind of exploitable to me. You know, looks looks there. There are defensive weaknesses in that back three are plenty, aren't there? So, I mean, I, I would love to see if we do set up in that really deep uh, manner. As an enormous fan of Zlatan Ibrahimovic, I would like to see him not play in that game. If we do set up like we did against Liverpool, I'd love to see Martial through the middle or Rashford. Um, but I, I guess that's not going to happen. But I, I would, I would be fascinated to see if it did. Yeah, uh, because a lone striker against three defenders uh, is going to be a frustrating day for him. And uh, he's not going to stretch any of those guys uh, with his pace. No, absolutely. And Cahill doesn't react very well to being stretched either. So, And nor does Louise, frankly. And Azpilicueta's not a centre-back. So come on, Jose, do it. Play yeah. one of the quick lads. I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing Louise stretched. On a rack. Oh, come on. David Luiz is a hero for our times. He's a good man. Yeah. Um, so after that, after United's victory at Stamford Bridge, uh, comes the derby. Yeah. 
Another derby. Oh, just very a very brief non sequitur. Having just talked about David Luiz being a good man, r- reminded me of his worst ever moment where he got Rafael sent off. Uh, just a word for the humanitarian hero that is Rafael da Silva. Gave up his uh, his wages whilst he was injured uh, at Lyon to a children's charity because it is true. Rafael is just one of the best humans. So yeah. Uh, a brief mention of that, but yes, yeah, City top top man, and r- r- remind me again why he's not at United? Because somebody thought somebody thought Louis Van Gaal was a good idea. <coughs> I, I mean, I might have been one of the somebodies, not that I was responsible for the decision making, but I did think it was a good idea. But it was a bad idea, and Raphael is one of the reasons why. Yeah, I, I mean, it's um, it's a good pop quiz, isn't it? Who who has worse? decision-making skills when it comes to picking managers. Paul, you, who picked, who liked Louis van Gaal and Big Sam. So did you. You liked Louis van Gaal, Ed. Let's not have... No, no. I know you've recommended a podcast on the Patreon backers bit the other week called Revisionist History, but that doesn't mean you could just have Revisionist History about how happy you were about van Gaal. I can. And and, uh, you, you, terrible choices, terrible, versus Fergie. Uh... Fergie, definitely worse than me. Definitely. I, I made the Van Gaal mistake. I'll admit that freely, happily. I think that was perfectly reasonable at the time. Nobody but nobody thought David Moyes was a good idea, except Fergie and David Moyes. And actually, David Moyes definitely didn't really think it was a good idea in his heart of hearts. No, David, David Moyes definitely did not think it was a good idea. Also, I would never have recommended Alex McLeish to Aston Villa. Never. So, yeah, no, it's Fergie. Fergie's worse than me. All right, fair enough. Um, City. City coming to Old Trafford. And uh, I, I guess there'll be a decent crowd for this one. Not normally in the, uh, what do they call it these days? The English Football League Cup? Yeah. League Cup. Which is a little bit Brexit as a title, isn't it? It it's is. We're just going to call it the Milk upsetting. Cup because it's always <laughs> going to be the Milk Cup. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to this one. City not in great form. United no. in, you know mediocre form. form yeah mixed yeah. form good uh, at home very good at good home, at home yeah wonder how I mean it's a, been a really tough run so I can't imagine there won't be quite a few changes but you know it's not as if he can actually bring in a bunch of 18 year olds because we have such a small squad at the moment the way he likes to work of course so um, it will be a strong team if a bunch of changes. So, you know, good, a good chance for United. The one thing we have got is a load of brilliant 16 and 17-year-olds. Maybe you should just bung them in. Play Angel Gomez and DJ Buffonge and Tahith Chong. <laughs> just, like, make sure City play their academy too. I don't know. Uh, no. But um, I would imagine we'll see a lineup similar to the one that started against Fenerbahce, I guess. Um, the fact that it's Pep and City adds a, a huge you know, a huge component to this game, doesn't it, psychologically? You don't you can't imagine he's gonna want them to get an easy win. But then they've they've got issues about squad rotation and stuff too, haven't they? They've their 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 selection's gonna be interesting. Uh, it dropped Aguero from Barcelona. Yeah, dro- dropped Aguero for the the battering at Barcelona. Why? Yeah. Uh, played why? De Bruyne why up front. You, why? Why, Pep? Why would you isolate Sergio Aguero? What are you doing? Why do you always have to do this? At, at the risk of sounding a bit Michael Owen, was he just a bit too clever for his own good there? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Robbie Savage. 
Um, I mean, I think he was. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how you square that circle, really. Pep is obviously. I mean, I know we're previewing a city game, so he's he's evil and bad and etc. Um, but you know, he's a he's one of the greats of all time, but. He's got a little wobble in him, hasn't he, from time to time? A little decision-making wobble. Yeah, uh, I'm sure Aguero will be back in the side for the derby, surely. Um, and uh, and they'll be back to what looks like a more normal sort of 4-3-3 City side. Oh, I wonder how much their confidence is, you know, especially Stones and Otamendi, who were given the runaround. I wonder how much their confidence has been knocked back. And, um, and at this point, and I'm not sure we would ever have said this, but... It's looking like a bad decision to drop Joe Hart. <laughs> yeah, although there's a sort of narrative around that decision, which is that Joe Hart was dropped because he's not very good with his feet. Uh, but I think Joe Hart was dropped because he's not very good. I, I, I wonder whether it's actually that he's just... That, well, it's not like... Because the, the prevailing narrative around all the punditry around this is that Joe Hart's a wonderful keeper who's just not good enough with his feet to play in a Pep Guardiola system. But actually, as we saw in the Euros, it's just a very fundamentally flawed goalkeeper. So I think that the concept of trying to get an upgrade on Joe Hart to make City a more elite team is perfectly sensible. Um, yeah, although it didn't it didn't really take a lot of genius to know that Bravo would struggle in England. <laughs> no, you may have me- to be honest, you may have mentioned that uh, pretty early on. Ed. You mentioned that pretty early on. Well, he likes to flap. He does, and he, he hasn't stopped flapping, and they've looked really shaky ever since, really, haven't they? Yeah, and, and the only surprise in him getting sent off the other day is that he actually managed to touch the ball instead of flapping wildly and missing <laughs> it. Uh, unfortunately for him, just outside the area. I have to say, that is always a, quite a harsh rule, isn't it? You know? No! Did he definitely deny a goal? He, well, he made a save about six yards outside the penalty area. There's never been a straighter red in history. All right, all right. So, go on, a couple of predictions for these two games. All right. Uh, I guess it's pretty trivial to predict a nil-nil draw against Chelsea. And then I'm going to buck with recent tradition and be slightly optimistic and predict a 2-1 win to United against City. All right. Well, I have to say, I think these are two pretty tough games for United and I'm not, not sure we put in any great performances against any of the top teams. So I'm going to predict a 1-0 win for United in both games. <laughs> Superb bait and switch it. Uh, Patreon backers, please stay tuned um, for some bonus content. And we're going to talk about the television programs of Aaron Sorkin this week. Um, we were going to talk about politics, but I decided I just couldn't face it. Um, if you want to support the show uh, on Patreon and get yourselves a mug or some more bonus content or a beautiful art print, um, head over to patreon.com slash rankcast. Massive thanks to everyone who's done that. And this show, uh, the rest of you, is brought to you very much by the uh, Patreon listeners. Uh, we'll be back with another one of these after the City game. Uh, until then, you can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at UTD Rantcast. Ed is at United Rant. Uh, producer Tom is at Tej Sound, T-E-E-J Sound. Uh, we'll see you next week. See you then.